Yes, coming in hot with episode 16 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean, and I'm joined by a man who thought Harry Maguire was an absolute steal at 80 million. Jobber. How are you? Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, I'm great. So um, just alert our listeners as to why we're a day late recording. So you were um, at home giving your thoughts and prayers to Trump. Is that correct? And now that he's out, we're fine to record? Public holiday, mate. How's the day off? <laughs> Public <laughs> holiday, mate. I could hear your thoughts and prayers and look, thank you. Um, he's, he's out. He's healthy. That's great. But look, there's been a lot happening in football in the last couple of days. Um, obviously, you would have missed a lot of it. But Jose Mourinho said it was difficult to face Manchester United, how wrong he was, because the referee may come in after the game and ask your keeper to change and go out and face Bruno Fernandes. Um, so I was like, that's a great start. But United went on to cop six at Spurs. Um, and then Liverpool. Did, and I'm buzzing to touch on this. But yeah, let's let's move on. And then Liverpool got seven at Villa because right now Liverpool do things better than Manchester United. So then I was like, this is crazy. Got me thinking, if and when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gets sacked, what job could you see him doing? Yeah, so I've approached this one similar to, um, you know when you see a baby and you're just like, oh, it looks like a Frank and then his name sort of sticks from there. So I'm looking at Ollie and I'm thinking, what sort of vibe am I getting from Ollie? What type of vibe? And it didn't take long before um, I've got two actually. I've got um, a preschool teacher. I think he's got like a calm, soft face. Obviously, his nickname was the baby face striker. Um, so, yeah, I'm thinking preschool teacher or his more recent vibe, what I'm getting is because he wears those jackets on the sideline and I think that throws off a, a PE teacher vibe. So I've gone with, um, yeah, preschool teacher because of the soft face or PE teacher given the um, stupid tracksuits he's getting up and down sidelines with. Uh, what, what do you think he'll, he'll be doing next week is probably the better question. <laughs> <laughs> Not an international break, mate. Give him two weeks. Um, so, look, I, I've been thinking in a similar vein in the school vein because you often, like when you watch Manchester United games, you often see him looking down at his iPad and looking back up. Yeah. I, might yeah. be showing, I might be showing my age a little bit here, but um, I immediately thought he'd be a librarian. Because, you know, when, like, I don't know if you remember going to uni or high school and you'd be in the library and people would start making noise and the librarian would just sort of pop <laughs> their head up from the desk. That's like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer yeah. coaching, except the librarian seems to carry a little bit more authority. So I thought <laughs> I thought it would be a librarian. <laughs> um, yeah, well, look, I don't remember <laughs> those days because I never went to the library at uni. But, um, I did, anyway. but I'm smart. So, look, um, there's been a lot happening this week and then, Patrice Evra <laughs> was kind enough oh. to advise Manchester United fans to buy a PlayStation after the Spurs game and buy Sancho and Messi. And honestly, he looked like he was about to cry. He was he looked so distraught, didn't he, on yeah. Sky? Yeah, yeah. And he asked for them to um, tear up his contract because he couldn't, didn't want to speak on it. And one of his other um, positive quotes was, I don't promote violence, but there's some people in that Manchester United set up that need a slap. Which I remember <laughs> well. Same man who one week ago Sky were asking to tear up his contract because he made the rules yeah. comment. Um, so the other great thing that's happened this week is I'm Eric Laporte changed his Twitter name to I'm Eric Laporte after yeah. fans were convinced that the A was just a fancy way of saying I'm. <laughs> 
I saw this Twitter thing and um, even Amazon Prime got involved for a bit as well on the um, Twitter exchange. So, yeah, clever by Laporte and he's obviously um, in touch with his fans there and a bit of banter, which is good from him. Yeah, it is a good banter and it's a bit like the city defence right now. But, look, let's let's get into it. I'm going to have to take a deep breath here, but let's go do this. Yeah, okay. Well, Flavor Pod, obviously we've got to review this. These, this week, what a week it's been and a weekend it's been. Transfer chat, the deadline. So this could well be the last transfer chat segment. Um, then we're into the mailbag after that and um, then the multi, which um, could be rebranded this week. We'll, we'll have to see. But where else do you start other than the big ones? Manchester United 1, Spurs 6, Go. I didn't really think much of this one. Uh, not much to his head. <laughs> what an absolute shit show. That was the go. worst, most insipid performance I have ever seen. <laughs> what a disgrace. See, like, you can sit there and blame the Martial Red all day, but, like, the shit had already hit the fan. Mm. Like the the there's Harry Maguire. Like I I tried to I tried to make some notes around like that particular goal and I just couldn't find the words in my vocabulary to describe how bad that was. So you're talking about the first goal, the pass or Oh yeah. Oh I suppose Bruno yeah. Fernandez oh, has scored a, yeah, Bruno Fernandez has scored a penalty by this stage. So Davison Sanchez starts the game off wonderfully. My god, that was clumsy. 28 seconds in, he was not warm. But Harry Maguire, so Paul Pogba goes with the nod back to Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire's like, yep, I'm calm, cool, collected. Nods it back in a his face, bounces up, loops over. So then Maguire's like, oh, shit, I've butchered this. Luke Shaw comes in to clear. Maguire wrestles Shaw out of the way. Yeah, he does. Drags him down. Oh, my God. Like, that was, I know, 80 million was a bargain, but like... Him and Eric, uh, Eric Bailly and Harry Maguire, like Bailly was a disgrace as well. Yeah, I thought obviously Bailly wasn't great, but I thought Harry, out of the two of them, Harry had the worst game. The, the So you spoke about the first goal there um, where he stitched Shaw up. Um, I probably got questions over De Gea, whether he could have come out and, you know, just jumped over the top and, and try and grab something. But either way, I think it boils down to Harry's poor header. But the second goal too, so um, Kane comes out and um, out of that front line to get into his feet, as he always does. Maguire follows him out and brings him down, which isn't a bad foul in, in a reasonable area. Um, and then the idea of the foul would be to slow the slow the game and get everyone back. But again, he doesn't stand on the ball. Kane picks the ball up and just dinks it through to um, Sun. And, yeah, Bai is asleep and their yeah, little um, cheeky dink over the top. And, yeah, it's 2-1 before, um, yeah, just after Menu took the lead. Uh, yeah, I think I I blame Bailly more for this one. Like that's like it's not the worst feeling in the world to conceive from Maguire. Bailly just switches off, like yeah. completely switches off. Um, I don't know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wow, that's bad. Like that's a shocking goal to concede. The first one shocking. You think, oh well, it's all right. The boys will steady themselves, and we'll get back into it. Wrong. The shit show continues. Eric so, Bailly so, thinks, I've got a great idea. I'm going <laughs> to lay one onto Matic on top of the 18-yard yeah. box with three players around him. Yeah. Oh, oh, like I know I've said previously on the pod, and I am a I'm a pragmatist at heart. But Eric, by you don't have the ability to do that, and especially in that situation, like Matic moves like he's towing a caravan out there. Yeah. 
Oh. The, the, I can't, what I can't work out, I'm okay with him then playing out the back and you make a mistake and you should try and play through and be brave. Oh, that's fine with me. You, you and I are different on that. But the pass into Matic, um, obviously he misses the pass. It's problem number one and the most obvious thing. But <clears throat> the I think the decision to even make that pass or try that pass was the initial problem because Matic is facing him. His body shape's facing the same way. As you said, he's got three players around him. So even if he gets it into him and does make the pass, which is only a 10-yarder, Manage can only just bounce it straight back. Like there's nothing else on. So I, I probably agree that in that situation, um, there's no point rolling it into him at that point. It was quite obvious too that Spurs wanted him to do that. Like they'd set and that trapped. trap for yeah. that. They're going, Bai, Bai is stupid enough to play in here. The best thing <laughs> that Bai, Bai did for his reputation in the last year and a half is not play. People think that he is a lot better than what he is. Yeah. He's so cavalier and he's just so, like positionally he's terrible. He jumps into challenges. His ball playing is not very good. Occasionally you like smack one forward and everyone's like, what a player. His ball playing and touch are actually really bad and his athleticism gets him out of it a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So move on to goal number four, and we're not quite at half time at this point. Um, actually, shit, no, go back. Go back. We need to talk about Martial's red card. Yeah, so I've got that on my list. So my, I suppose my first question, if we just do this one at a time, um, Lamella sort of like goes to, oh, I don't know what you call it, like fend him off or palm him off, and he puts his straight arm out. Fist not clenched, which apparently is a thing that is is worked on on his favour when it went to VAR, and he sort of pushed out to him, and then Martial sort of shrugged back, and the arm sort of went into his chest, and then sort of slipped up into his neck. So, what do you think on that one first? So, I, I honestly think that, <clears throat> like, in a not VAR world, that's handbags. The referee tells everyone to settle down. I honestly, I I can live with not even getting a card for that, like for both. And I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm saying what Martial did was stupid and yeah. absolutely, like if we're giving red cards out for stupidity, absolutely give him one. And it's completely irresponsible of a player who's been professional for this long to do something as stupid as that. But if the, like if we didn't live in this stupid VAR world we live in, the referee's just going, lads, reel it in. Like I've seen much worse things happen from a corner or a free kick that have gone unnoticed. Yeah. And- I, I mean, I probably agree with that to an extent, but the thing is the referee gave the red card. On initial hit, that's what he, he saw. So he gave the red card, then it went to VAR, and VAR, like, we're not overturning anything. So the ref gave um, Lamella a yellow and gave Martial a red, then it went to VAR, nothing got turned over. So I don't know in, in a VAR world if that is, is what you're saying is impacting. I'm not so sure that that's, that's correct. Like, if, if, if Martial's deserving of a red card in this, like, <laughs> very physical tangle in the box, like, then surely Lamella is? Like it doesn't, it doesn't seem consistent with me. Like I, they're both it stupid, and I think it's very, 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 very soft. But yeah. I think Lamella's got to go too. Yeah, I'll probably disagree. I think that um, obviously I'll caveat everything with um, yes, it was handbags and just play on. Like, come on, you should do we really dealing our cards for this? But if you look at the rules and and the interpretations of it, I think Lamella was fine to get to get a, a yellow for sort of instigating something. But Martial, the difference with Martial's and Lamella's is Martial touched his face. So, yeah, that's my only thing to think yeah, that it was a red barely. card. So, yeah, barely, and it's all bollocks, I completely agree. But, I mean, as soon as you touch his face with your hand, that's – you can't – yeah, you're going to get a red oh, um, no matter what so no matter what era you're in as long as it's after 2005. 
<laughs> and I, I but, think that, so, like, so, that so retaliation the red... too, but going to that retaliation point, like I think that's the stupidest rule in football. It beats handball for me. Yeah. Like, retaliation. Like obviously if you're retaliating something fairly serious. Like, it? Yeah. yeah, it just seems like so, uh, when they're doing the handball rule, they should look at that too. It's so stupid. Yeah. So then so he gets the he gets the red card. So like it goes on to be 6-1, but what impact did that red card have on the result or was it going that way anyway? And it might not have been – it might have been a 4-1 or a 5-1, not necessarily a 6-1 if the red card was there. Is that what you're thinking? If Martial had stayed out there, it could have been 8-1. Honestly, do you think it had a big impact? I don't think it anything. I agree. And I that, think it was going that way. Yeah. Should have been a lot more, and it would have been a lot more anyway. And the the red card for Martial was just a nice way for him to get off the pitch quickly. Um, like it was just it was heading that way anyway. And then, so our next goal is another Sun goal. Um, and again, I'm heavily critical of Bai here and um, Luke Shaw. So it all starts. Pogba doesn't track his runner, so Luke Shaw steams out and leaves the top, like leaves the front post unmanned. Steams over to Pogba's man, gets halfway. Pogba's in no man's land. Luke Shaw's in no man's land. By being the natural centre defender, is is extremely slow to react and has no idea where he is. Doesn't come across. Sun slips it in. Naturally, De Gea at his front post. He's going to be beaten straight through his legs. It's just an, at this point, it's an absolute shit show, and everyone is just making more and more mistakes. And that's the thing too. Like they didn't they didn't be like, oh, we got ten men. Like let's park the bus. Let's not be stupid. They're just like we're shit. Let's confirm to everyone that we're shit nil disciplined and let's cop another shit goal at the front stick with three of us standing around having no idea what we're doing. Yeah. I think the um, the second oh, – I was it? No, the fourth goal, sorry, with the double nutmeg, I think that was, that was a little bit unfortunate. So I appreciate what you're saying there, but, I mean, two nutmegs and, yeah, so that shows you guys a shame that the – Defenders were close enough and some of that stuff is just, yeah, an element of luck. But, yeah, I think we're in, we're in danger of sort of um, smashing Man U and not touching on how good Spurs were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that actually, it's good that we segue that way because the, the ball from Hoiberg for the last goal from Aurea was absolutely Aurea. class. Oh, yeah. what a ball. And that's how you know that Spurs were on top, really run things. So Mourinho brings him in to sort of break up play and and sort of make five yard passes um, and sort of you know lock things down in the centre of the park. But when he's getting forward, slipping balls through to the right back to go and score the fifth or whatever it was at that stage, that's when you know that um, yeah, Spurs are really on. But I think like um, Harry Kane just looked well up for it. He looks so fit and so sharp. He looks good. Um, Son come back from injury, and again, he just looks so much faster than everyone else out on the pitch. And Spurs have got um, obviously Bale to come back in. So after he, when Bale comes in and he eventually starts, which he definitely will, um, yeah, you're going to have a, a front three of Harry Kane, Bale, and Son. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And Mourinho, He's actually done quite well um, so far. So they've got a couple of wins and a draw and just that one defeat so far. They're up into six and, and Spurs are looking quite good. And Jose's got that little strut back in his step too. You could tell by that by the presser. Did you see his presser? I did. He said, And you know what the thing is too that I like? I, I do have a soft spot for Jose, I will admit. Um, but what I like about Jose is when he tries to be um, like honourable and softly spoken he only comes across as more arrogant it's like it builds his internal confidence so he's he goes in the presser and he goes oh look 
you know, I was a young manager. I've lost by four or five. I, I don't remember losing by six, but, um, like, you know, he's tough and all this. But, he, like, they just look so good. Um, he has them absolutely purring, and it's good to see him with his swagger back. Like, I think they can really compete. And, like, the other thing that I'm really enjoying right now is um, Harry Kane's scoring probably, like, quite well right now, but his build-up play, like, it's the best I've ever seen it. Like, he's just yeah. laying on goals for Sun left, right, centre. That, that's that's one thing that um, separates him from sort of most other number nines getting around in world football at the moment is the amount of assists and, and setup play he does. He, he enjoys sort of coming out of that number nine position, dropping into that 10 spot and either getting on the half turn or, yeah, flicking something out wide to, to someone who's um, dangerous. And then he works works his bollocks off to get in the box and, and get his goals too. If you see his work rate, uh, I think it was the Eric Bailly pass where he was the one who slid across, intercepted it. Um, and then it got flicked out to Son, and then, yeah, he picked himself up, got himself um, back inside the penalty box and, and smashed it home. So, yeah, his work rate looks good. He looks sharp as ever. Um, but Luke, oh, the other thing um, Rino touched on was um, how, man, you could have gone down some more players. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, what, what do you think about the um, Luke Shaw tackle and potential red? red yeah, it should, have been, it should have been red. Yeah, I was surprised he stayed on the pitch. Um, the re- the re- like, why is the referee now? Um, decided that he's going to be quite lenient. That was a red card. Pogba could have been sent as well. Like, just the discipline. And honestly, I think it's – we're going to segue into this eventually, but um, there's discipline problems. The attitude sucks. These are all responsibilities of the manager. Like, whether you like it or not, you're responsible for these things and to get the best out of each individual player. So like the CEO of a business, like it's not your responsibility to go in there and actually tinker with the bits, but you've got to make sure that everyone else is operating. And right now, Manchester United are so far from doing that. And uh, I reckon there's a bit of a red-hot tip here that if those things don't turn around very quickly, I think Ollie might win the sack race. Uh, yeah, one of my mates mentioned that he thinks Ollie will be one of the first ones to go, and I wasn't really on board with that at the start. But yeah, I can see just there's just so much more at stake at Man United, and so um, their performances in the last three or four three games, I think, have just been horrendous, um, and they got lucky on a couple of times um, to sort of sneak away with with some points. But yeah, they're they're really struggling at the moment, and I think you you I think I agree with you. Where I think Ollie's a little bit out of his depth here, and some of these things that are happening um, are just a little bit out of, out of his um, out of his wheelhouse. Like he's just he's just punching well above his weight there. I, I do um, appreciate him sort of coming out at the end in the press conference and just saying, "Look, I completely hold my hand up. It's my responsibility to do all those things." So, I mean, that would be nice to hear if I was a Manchester United fan that he's taking responsibility for it, but. Yeah, at the end of the day, um, I think he's just well out of his league. The other thing I've got on this game is what do you make of the rumours that are coming out um, and the murmurs that um, Maguire got into it with um, Bruno Fernandes at half time? <laughs> Bruno Fernandes had to be um, held back and subdued um, because he was just abusing um, Harry and the, the rest of the back four in terms of their performance and then wasn't allowed back out on the pitch for the second half. Uh, trouble afoot, it would seem. Is that the closest Harry got to an attacking player in the game? <laughs> I think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think I, I think that's like that. You when you paid for Bruno Fernandez, that's what you get. Like you get a competitor, and he's he's obviously he was the captain at Sporting Lisbon, and he was quite renowned for his competitiveness. Harry is the captain of Manchester United and has never been regarded for his leadership. And like, I think if you're if you're Harry. 
Um, like Manchester United has been fairly blessed with the captains we've had historically, like in the last 20 years, really. Like Roy Keane, Ryan Giggs was a consummate professional. Rio Ferdinand, Amanda Fittich, Schmeichel was captain for a little bit. Gary Neville, like those were never players who hid. Like they never, mm. like, like when things weren't going their way, like those, like Rio Ferdinand had some of the most calamitous errors you will ever see. But then he was also like the world's best centre back. Um, yeah, he played played through them and he was brave. He did. Yeah. He's so he was so brave. And like I think Harry Harry's gone into hiding a little bit. And like when the team needs someone to stand up and lead, um, he's gone missing. Like he, yeah. he was one of the worst. Um, so I agree. I, I, especially if they're not getting the that type of leadership off the field from um, Ollie, then yeah, it, it sort of compounds the issue that um, he's, he's a bit of a weak or appears to be a bit of a weak leader on the pitch. But he wasn't the captain at Leicester. Um, then he got slapped with this $80 million price tag and went to Manchester United and all of a sudden just became the captain there. And the whole thing, I suppose looking back, just seemed a bit rapid and a bit fast and a bit too much for Maguire. I suppose at, at the time when I was reading about it, it, it all seemed to make sense in his career projection. But, I mean, if you look back, it probably does seem a little bit too much too too soon for Harry, I think. Well, he's 27, so if it's not going to happen now, it's not going to happen. It's like, not going to happen. I don't think. I just don't think he's the right man for. The, but again, I think there's like, I think there's like being a captain, and then there's leadership, and you don't need to be a captain to show leadership. And right now, even if he wasn't captain, he's not showing leadership. Was he's Bruno Fernandez? You can see he's out there. He's trying. He's like he's doing all the right things. Yeah, um, well, similar to. Um, I know we're going to move on to Liverpool soon, but similar to. Um, uh, Salah at Liverpool where they had a horrible performance but I mean he can leave the pitch with his head held high whereas I think Bruno could probably um, so far this season not necessarily in that game particularly but so far this season he's, he can hold his head and the last few games of last season he can walk off and think yeah well I've sort of done my bit my, my role and what I do um, I'm doing okay. It's the other guys that need to come on the journey, and potentially that's what his rant was sort of about. But I think he, I think his point there is like he's he's not coming from the oh I'm doing my role. I think he's been like I've got a wider responsibility, mm. like which I don't think Harry's doing right now. He's like, oh yeah okay meandering his way through. I think the better comparison to be Jordan Henderson. Like Jordan Henderson turns up every week, gives you a six or a seven out of ten, but he never lets those other players' standards slip. Like and you can see that, and you can see the way he goes about his like his business. Like he's not letting those standards that Klopp is putting through Jordan Henderson. Yeah, well, you're not getting that from all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, and Maguire's giving nothing as well. So it just like it just filters through the whole. And you just wonder too if Ollie's got a bit of a poison chalice too, because the culture just seems to be so toxic again. Um, and then I think it would take a braver manager than him to be like, all right, is you know, is Pogba and Martial the problem? All right, see ya, boys. Bad luck. Like. Manchester United's bigger than any player. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting space, and and Manchester United pride used to pride themselves on you know keeping managers around and things like that. But I think if they get rid of Oli in the coming weeks and and move to a Pochettino, um, if those those sort of murmurs are true, they they sort of move to being one of those clubs with the chopping and changing managers every eighteen months. So. Mm, interesting. Um, it seems as though Oli could turn it around rather fast when he got in the job um, and just as quickly as he turned around positively, it's flipped back on him negatively now. So, yeah, let's see if he can um, steady the ship and, and move things on. The other thing that gets made a lot of is um, he doesn't have the players that he wants, he doesn't get the players that he needs and Ed doesn't bring in the players where I just think coming – Maybe if you're a Manchester United fan, you might look at this differently. But, I mean, me being um, a fan of a smaller club, 
I just can't buy into that narrative where he didn't get the players that he needed or wanted. I mean, look at the players that they've bought in over recent um, recent years. Where you, you've got Maguire coming, you've got supposedly who he had the best season as a defender a couple of years back, Maguire from Leicester, and they they bring him in. Juan Vasaka, he was he's only been there two years, and again he had the best year as a right back. They bring him in. They need a, a new a new uh, number ten to get things moving. They go and get Bruno Fernandez. So, like it, Pogba, like you know what I mean. So I just can't understand how people are saying, "Oh, he all he needs support. You need to back him." I think he has been backed. I mean, looking if you're looking at that angle from a, a fan of any other club in the league, you're looking at that going, "Is that not backed?" Like I wish my club got that type of money to spend on players. Like it just seems crazy that people could have that. Yeah, I think I, hasn't been that's, it's not. That is absolutely not an, an excuse. Like, and everyone's like, "Oh, you needed Jaden Sancho, bollocks!" Like, 120 million for a footballer. Like, as you're saying, if you're a smaller club and someone says, "Hey, you can have four 30 million euro players," you're like, "We can build a squad here. Like, we can oh, build shit. a good core yeah. of a squad." Absolute, absolute bullshit argument. Gary Neville's out there purporting this crap, um, and ev- like everyone's like, "Oh, Edward with this, Edward with that." That is absolute bollocks. What other? team in the Premier League are people like, oh, the CEO is not doing his job. What an absolute load of crap that is. Yeah. Like, as you said, he's got like hundreds of millions of players. There's no excuse. And he's done, he needs to be braver with moving players on too because if the culture is toxic, then he has to be brave and maybe he has to cut one of the players that's the stars. Like, yeah, if he, if he wants think, to be the manager, he has to own all of these outcomes. Yeah, Edward Wood, to move one of those players on means to admit a mistake. So that means if he moves, let's say, Pogba on, he's admitting that, yeah, I spent, you know, $120 million on the wrong player and I have to move him on. I made a mistake. Whereas if he keeps him in there um, and and refuses to part ways with him, you can just keep pointing the finger at the managers and saying, look, they're not doing their job where it's clearly, clearly something bigger at that club. But I think, yeah, Oli will be in the firing line because of it. But it's le- that's leadership, isn't it? Like, that's <laughs> throwing your major under the bus, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, are we done on that game? And so, can we right, move, let's on, move to on to the, the other? other. <laughs> the go. only game of the weekend where someone scored more than six. So, can, can I start this by saying, right, yeah, um, so we've got someone watching... actually scored more goals. Well, I, I want to say that, um, I really enjoyed Sunes where he was. After Manu got battered, um, he was in the studio and he had a grin from ear to ear. He was absolutely buzzing. And then, then they took a still frame and then next to it they park a photo of the result um, when Liverpool got battered and his, his face is quickly turned upside down. So that was probably the highlight of the two games for me. But, yeah, do you want to just dive in and, and see what you think of this game? I mean, where do you start? <laughs> Unbelievable. So... Um... I, I was saying to you off air, so I um I watched the Manchester United game and I was like, oh my god, like what am I going to do? Like I just I was not ready to face the world on Monday morning, um, and I was like, I can't watch Liverpool batter Villa, it's going to break me. Um, so I accidentally turned the TV on, and at this point it was like five two, and I was like, no, 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 like I've I'm so angry, I've actually gone insane, um, and I'm like. Wait a minute. And then they score again. I was like, this is real. And then, like, the whole thing for the next 30 minutes just felt surreal. Yeah. Like, so Ollie Watkins, so I've gone back and watched this. So Ollie Watkins bags a hat trick. Um, my feeling is now talking to a friend who's a Liverpool fan, and he said that they never recovered from Adrian's first howler. 
And after that first howler, the whole defence was just undermined and their whole confidence was just shot. Yeah. Um, what did you think? Yeah, well, obviously the the howler from the start um, by Adrian was the was the catalyst to this and I probably agree that it, <clears throat> it did crumble from there. So um, Alison, so he's... Um, Adrian's playing because Allison's out, and it looks like a four to six weeker. But I mean, after this, you really got to really got to ask whether you can bring him back a bit earlier and at least play him, um, even if he's not fully fit. The very last goal, Jack's goal as well. Um, I thought Adrian could have done a lot better. But to be fair to him, all the other goals were some wicked deflections that he he could not do a lot about. To be fair, so I think if I'm comparing this back to the Man U game. What I'm thinking when I look at this game is that this is a, a one-off performance from Liverpool and they had those three or four wicked deflection goals. And so I think this is a performance out of the blue, whereas Man News is something a little bit deeper to worry about because of the the trend in the last few performances. And, um, yeah, whereas for Liverpool, I think this is just a one-off and it was a crazy result. There's no way you could probably predict something like that. There's a lot being made about um, Liverpool's high line, but I think a lot's been made of it now because they got caught out by Villa. And so no one was telling um, them that they had a too high line last year when they were pushing forward and really pressing teams and getting results and scoring all those goals. No one told Bayern they had too high a line um, and that it was a problem when they just won the Champions League. So I don't really buy into that narrative. I just think that, yeah, the line was high, but, I mean, that's what you've got to do if you're the top team and you've got to you play that pressing style. So you've got to be brave with your centre-backs and push them up. I, again, I think we're falling into the space of, like, criticising everything that's wrong with Liverpool without some of the good things that um, Villa were doing. So I think um, the interplay between Jack and um, Ross Barkley was just so good. Like, they're instant connection um, from when he, he come from Chelsea is just it's just evident from um, the first first point and I think if you look back um, Villa actually had a really really good window like it didn't really dawn on me until I was watching this game where like they kept hold of Jack which is what we spoke about that being like a really big thing for them um, brought in Ross um, Martinez and then Ollie Watkins a lot's been made of the price but after scoring a first half hat trick he seems to be worth it, don't you think? It's a great, it's just great news for Villa fans, isn't it? So they're now up to second. Um, but I, I agree with your point around Liverpool where it just feels like an aberration. Like you, you're sitting there and you're like, they'll bounce back from this. Like I would hate to be in the Liverpool dressing room after this. I reckon Klopp would have torn the paint off the walls. Um, but And it just, it seemed like from that Adrian Howler, nothing went their way after that. I just felt like one of those days, and we haven't seen many of those from Liverpool. So I think I think you're right. I think it's just an aberration, and um, yeah. I wouldn't be too upset if I was Liverpool fans. But if I was a Villa fan, I'd be dancing in the street. You hit seven fun. with 30% yeah. of the ball. Yeah. They, oh, they honestly, looked, you'd be bouncing off the wall. Really <laughs> yeah. Ollie Watkins with a first-half hat trick. Captain Jack comes in and gets a couple at the end there. Like, I, it's just outrageous that we're actually talking about Villa scoring seven up to second, undefeated. Um, like, yeah, I just, I just don't think there's too much to read into this for Liverpool fans, but Villa fans, that, that is the highlight of your season. 
yeah, like they they just did so well, and they just looked so fast. And um, it, I think it was one of those days where everything they were hitting was, was going in, or you know, everything they did just made them look look dangerous. Like as I touched on with those um, deflections, were just all of them sort of deflected and went to the top corner, as opposed to deflecting going out for a throw in or a corner or something like that. But to be fair to Liverpool, I I, I agree that they've yeah, it'll be um, it'll be a one off um, game. Did you see Klopp's reaction when, um, like, the fourth and the fifth and the sixth went in? He just, he honestly just started laughing, and you could see those big old fake ass teeth hanging out, hanging out his face um, when they uh, when they scored those goals. But Liverpool, they did have a um, a lot of disruptions this week. They had um, Mane go down with uh, coronavirus and, and miss this game. So I I have to understand that um, that would cause sort of some angst amongst their, their team and and then probably required extra tests for some of the players and things like that. So, yeah, I'm sure it disturbed their week. Um, the other thing I want to ask about is those two games um, and two results are rather unusual. And it just got me thinking what, what's triggering these results in these, these type of games. Um, it's probably down to two things, whether that be no fans or whether that be um, something like um, yeah, the just weird disruptions that we've had throughout the preseason. Do you have what do you think? No fans is impacting, or just a disturbed preseason? Um, I think with Manchester United, I think they're just bad, and this was coming for a while. Um, like that was just a culmination of all that. Crap that you've seen. So I don't. I don't know. I suppose the fans. The fans might have um, impacted that a little bit just to put a bit more fight in them. But I think that was coming for a while. The Liverpool one. Um, I just don't know. They just weren't at the races. Like they just were absolutely did not have. Like nothing seemed to go their way. I don't think I've ever seen so many deflected goals in my life. Yeah, it was um, weird. Huh? Yeah, just like how many times have you wished for a deflection like that? And they had like four of them. Yeah, but they did. They did like offer Villa more shots than they um, than they really should have. But yeah, look, I think Manchester United's one was coming for a while, and I just attribute that to the poor attitude of the players and lack of leadership. And the the, the Liverpool one, uh, yeah, I suppose the the fans may be a factor, but yeah, I think I think more that Mane interruption potentially. And then I think also, I don't know if his, um, like Allison just seems to make such a big difference and he has over the last two years to Liverpool and I don't know why that is the case, but they just seem like a much better team with Allison out there. Yeah, well, everyone plays bigger and better when they've got him um, behind them, I think. Like it makes the defence feel feel much um, much stronger and safer. I think they play above themselves when he's in the team, whereas when he's when they know he's not. They might. They do look a little bit more nervous. I thought Trent had a bit of a dodgy game. Um, he a couple of times, um, yeah, he sort of lost his runner and things like that. So, um, yeah, that that caused caused problems for for Liverpool. I think it was the second goal where yeah he just lost Watkins when Watkins cut inside and smashed into the top corner. So, yeah, bit of trouble he, there he, for Liverpool. Who's that? Like the last goal, he sort of um, Trent Alexander Arnold. Last goal with for Jack Grealish, he sort of reached and didn't quite get there, and I thought he looked injured. Yeah, he, he, may, he might well be, or maybe you do pull a hamstring when you're down seven two or six two at that stage. But um, that's that's it for me on this game. But we will move on to another weird game, another weird result, um, crazy result, which I didn't expect. West Ham four, 
Leicester nil. What did you think of this game? Um, <laughs> it was 3-0, not 4-0. I think you still have nightmares. It was, it was crazy. Um, I'll tell you what I really enjoyed. That first goal from West Ham. Um, what a ball from Creswell to find Antonio. That was that was absolutely stunning. But I thought, again, Leicester just weren't at the races. They didn't muster a shot on target in the whole game. The yeah, same that, team beat Manchester City 5-2 the week before. That's a crazy stat. I did have that written down too. Um, but the first goal where um, Sionchu, um, yeah brought him down, again, he brings him down and doesn't stand on the ball and prevent him from taking a quick free kick. He takes a quick free kick, flicks out to Cresswell, and then watch Sionchu and his marking after that. It's just just terrible. But a great header from um, Antonio back across from where it came from. And, um, yeah, 1-0. I think they looked rather good West Ham and we said it was working for Moisey staying away and getting Psycho to manage them and it is working rather well so yeah a bit of a crazy result um, no shots from Leicester and I think they really missed um, Madison and Pratt in, in this game they just had no creativity when either of those uh, um, out of the team so Pratt got moved out of the team um, completely for um, Perez and, um, and Madison got injured. So, yeah, without those two there, um, Leicester looks like they're just, you know, lost their edge and lost a bit of creativity. So that second goal is the one that um, particularly interested me. I want to touch on the third goal too because I think Jared Bowen might be one of the fines of the season after we heavily criticised West Ham. Um, but what happened for that second goal? How did Fournells find himself in that much space and then, I, honestly, that touch to bring it down was excellent and great to watch. Like, it just seemed technically so weird the way that he, like, let it bounce and then put his foot on it instead of just getting in the air. But how did he find himself in so much space? Yeah, so I think Evans and Sionchu were um, sort of occupied by Antonio and just the um, throw in and set back to Creswell and he just smashed it over the top and he was just the third man running and just no one tracked him, and um, he just went straight through. But, yeah, great touch, good finish, and, again, who's tracking the runner and who's marking? Who knows? He was in so much space. It was like you looked at it on first view and you're like, that has to be offside. That's what I did. That's what I did. I I, I was watching it live, and I'm like, oh, this is offside, and it must be one of those ones where you know how the linesmen keep their flag down at the moment? Yeah. Well, no. Unbelievable. And then Declan Rice um, slides one in for Jared Bowen. That was a nice goal. Nice goal. Nice Declan had a good game. He cracked the crossbar too, but yeah, nice goal. And um, and Declan had a really good game, I thought. Yeah, he was char- he, he's quite impressive. Like He's not a player that I rate particularly highly, but he is quite impressive when he drives at the defence. Like He's really good to watch, quite powerful coming through from the midfield. And I think he, he ran about 50 yards, didn't he, when he hit the crossbar? Yeah, yeah. He ran from his well inside his own half. And um, again, what... What Johnny Evans was doing, I don't know. But, um, yeah, Johnny Evans like tracking a runner that never made a run or something. But, yeah, good good performance by him. It strikes me that he doesn't do that more often. Like if it's so successful and he's so powerful, like, why wouldn't he do that a, a lot more? But, yeah, potentially it's an energy and a fitness thing that I'm sure a run like that would sort of sap you a fair bit. So. Yeah, and I wonder yeah, if he, he looked good and West Ham looked good. It might be reflective of West Ham's form too where like they're actually stretching sides now and – getting on the front foot a little bit, where previously he's probably defending and they suck. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on from there. We'll go to um, a London derby here, Chelsea Palace. So I watched this game live action. This first half, oh, it was tough to get through. Um, but don't <laughs> worry. 
made myself a cup of tea, come back for the second half, and yeah, Chelsea just clicked into gear then. And this was a great example of them just having just too much talent for Palace. And um, yeah, the the money really shone through here for Chelsea and picked up their their goals and yeah, really did a number on um, Palace in the end. Yeah, so um, I also watched the first half. Luckily, I had a can of Carabao at halftime um, to get through because it was it was extremely boring, wasn't it? And it didn't look like Chelsea were going to come out in the second half in the manner that they did. But to their credit, they came out and they absolutely battered them in the second half. Um, Palace failed to muster a shot on target, which probably doesn't surprise you. But Chelsea was so impressive in the second half. That's why they moved it around. Chilwell smacked one home. Um, Zuma got himself a nice little goal and then a couple of penalties um, for Jorginho. But yeah, they were very impressive in the second half. And I just think, yeah, it, sort of, it really did shine through just how lethal that attack can be um, if Chelsea can put it together. Like, I don't know many teams will be able to stick with him if if all those players sort of um, mesh well together. Yeah, they've got that They've got that in them, Chelsea, don't they, where they can, once it does click for them, I think you'll see them um, sort of burn teams in that 25-minute space where they just play well for 25 minutes and that, that's all they need to push past a team like Palace. Um, so, yeah, Frank's men looked all right. Um, Mendy started straight into the squad. Um, Big Willie out and um, Kepa on the bench, um, as everyone thought w- would happen. Um, but as pleasing as this was for Chelsea, um, getting all four goals, I think the thing that would make Frank the happiest is this clean sheet um, that they got and just the amount of chances that they allowed. That's probably the more exciting thing for Frank and Chelsea fans, I think. Yeah, they looked they looked very assured back there, and I know you were very critical of Thiago Silva um, last week, but they didn't very sure. But Palace, Palace didn't offer much, which is disappointing after they should have been riding high. But um, no, nah, look, they just didn't look like breaking Chelsea down at all. They were they were very impressive at the back, and Chilwell looks like he's going to be quite an astute signing. And I rather enjoyed his set pieces too. Um, I didn't know he had that in him. But yeah, well, at, at Leicester, um, Madison used to take all of the set pieces or, or Tilly, so yeah, he didn't get a lot of chances to. To shine in that space, but yeah, his um his delivery was um was decent. But I think yeah, Chelsea looked looked decent and very deserving of the points and are up to seventh. So next one, this is uh this is an interesting one again. So um again, if I'd said to you a couple of weeks ago, Everton after four games would be top of the league, undefeated, and Dominic Calvert Lewin would be the leading scorer in the league, what would you have said? I'll take that bet. It's the first thing you'd say. Yeah, and um, in my head, I would have already spent that money because I would think that would be coming through. <laughs> They're just flying, aren't they? Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he can't stop scoring. James Rodriguez, um, he's having an absolute field day out there. He got two tap-ins on the weekend. But again, very impressive from Everton. And they, like Looking at the end of last season, you're like, they are an unbalanced, awful-looking team. Carlos had a full summer with, well, a COVID full summer with them, they just look so balanced and like everyone seems to know what they're doing. Yeah, I'm still not fully convinced with Everton. Obviously, they've had a great start um, and they're beating teams that they, to be honest, should beat. So, yeah, I just – I think – have they really played anyone would be my question to 
um, Everton fans, um, have they really played anyone decent who's going to give them a real test? But yeah, Dominic Calvin-Lewin, he got caught up to the England squad um, and he looks great, as you said. Um, one thing I read during the week was that the eyebrows been working with him a lot on um, just having one-touch finishes. So he apparently was trying to get involved in a lot of interplay and, and sort of drop a bit deeper, whereas um, the eyebrow just sort of said, look, don't get involved in any of that. We don't need you for that. Just get in the box and work on your finishing. And so, yeah, as I said, in training, apparently he's been working a lot with him on one-touch finishes and just staying in the box and just staying busy and it's working for him. You see most of his goals, that that's how they sort of come. But, yeah, he looks great. Um, and when he was signed, he, he'd come with this huge potential. But, yeah, I must admit I hadn't really seen it until Ancelotti took over. And, yeah, he seems to have grown um, 10 feet taller, Dominic. He looks good. He's, he's looks, he just looks like he's always going to score um, he, every time he's in the box. And I, I take that thing that you said about his finishing. Like he's not getting bogged down in trying to create anything. He's just playing his role and letting the players in behind him create the chances. Like it just it just seems so balanced. Like everyone, they just they know what they're doing. But um, they have knocked off Spurs in week one too. So I would say, yeah, I'd take that and I'd say, look, they have beaten a side who – um, I don't know how much of the Manchester United game you can read into, but that's a like that's a big scalp. And Brighton played like good football against Chelsea. They battered United. Like it's not something you'd sort of um, raise your eyebrows to. So I think so. Everton, Everton are undefeated. They have the derby after the international break, and they've won their first seven games in all competitions for the first time since 1895. Yeah, it's a crazy stat. They are they are flying. I, I do I do admit that, but I I just I'm not sure that they're the real deal. They haven't done enough to convince me yet. Yes, they beat Spurs uh, week one, but uh, to be honest, I don't think Spurs were 100 percent ready. But I mean, who was round one? Um, they went on to beat West Brom. I mean, who hasn't beaten them? Uh, Palace, um, yeah, who can't beat them? And and Brighton, who are going to struggle. So. Yes, they've done well, um, but I think they're going to have to string some more games together before I am convinced that they are going to challenge for top four come the end of the season. 17th of October at 10.30pm, Liverpool versus Everton. That is massive. That's how huge. good How good is football? Um, yeah. <laughs> but look, it's it's been a crazy weekend, but <laughs> it's so crazy that this didn't make the big results of the weekend. So Leeds United won, Manchester City won. What? So, first of all, here's, yeah, a, here's a ball for we all know that. But first of all, I just I felt sick to my stomach watching the lead up to this game. Just the like the people just clamoring for like the most obvious, easy headline to get out there that oh you know look how intellectual these two managers are. Um, yeah, look at them go head to head, two tactical masterminds just going head to head. I watched the game honestly, nothing really surprised me tactically that either of them did none of them played a, this funky formation that would melt your face like i don't know just the whole thing just got made up to these huge big brain footballs going at each other but it was just a standard game with typical formations uh four three three and four four two um so yeah really not that impressed with either of their so-called big brains and their formations that they rolled out Having said that, Leeds did really well and they looked electric. They just look up for it all the time. Like Bielsa has got them like absolutely purring and just firing on all cylinders. They look energetic. They look fit um, and they look all switched on. Um, 
I think Man City, this game was um, played before the, the Liverpool game. So I think, yeah, Man City would have dropped points here thinking, oh, I know we're going to be off the pace. But, yeah, it turns out they sort of picked up a, a point um, rather than, than dropped anything here in the in the race. So I don't think it's done them too much damage, but um, I was a little, little bit unimpressed with um, Man City, but I was rather impressed with Leeds and just their energy. What do you think? Yeah, so um, going back one step, actually, Carlo Ancelotti, when they asked him after the game, they're like, oh, you know, what are you doing at Everton? He's like, it's a simple game. <laughs> he's like, he's like, we've got 11 players. They have 11 players. It's always played on the same size field. It's a simple game. So I do agree with this narrative about these two geniuses. But um, as you said, like, it just leads are so energised, and that's something that you can't teach on the, on the whiteboard. Like they're sure. really up for it, um, and I think that's that's something that's heavily underrated in this world where everyone's got to be tactically astute. But they just look so hungry. Manchester City were better. Like I think you can see, like players like Sterling. Sterling's first goal was amazing. Like Great finish. Oh, so good, and just like slides past a couple of players. Kevin De Bruyne with a free kick that hit the post. That was also quite stunning. Um, but. While all this is going on, um, Benjamin Mendy can still almost give Leeds a goal with another great mistake there. So they almost pinch a lead there. Rodrigo hit the post and then um, Big Edison. That was an absolute howler. Yeah. Came out he's got cat flaps. He's got that in him, doesn't he? I think he had a howler um, when you and I were at the Manchester Derby yep. start of this year um, where he threw one out to Scotty McTominay. So he does have that in him, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, and he just he just like absolutely bloody chocolate wristed it. They just had nothing on it, um, mm. but it was good to see. And then City almost pinched it, like Patrick Bamford almost pinched it for him at the end there. So they were they were good value for the point. Leeds almost um, pinched it, you mean? Yeah, Leeds almost pinched it. Yeah. Um, oh no, sorry, no, 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 no. Bamford almost scored an OG. Um, okay, you said yeah. Yeah, yeah, now yeah, I get yeah. You. No, yeah I'm a but no, they almost took it away. But look, Leeds are Leeds have been very good at the start of this season. Like they've had. Um, Manchester City and Liverpool, so they're not going to get any tougher games uh, and they're currently sitting eighth, which I think is probably where I think they'll roughly finish if they keep going the way they are. They're just, they're, mm. they're just playing good football, energetic. Bielsa's got them purring. Bamford looks like a Premier League striker and then you've got Rodrigo as well. Calvin Phillips is flying. Like they're, just, they're doing great things for a team. Like You wouldn't realise they're a newly promoted team. No, you wouldn't. They, they seem to have fit fit right in. So um, I think they've done rather well in the market. And as I say, Biels has got them flying into eighth. They have Wolves after the break. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to see how they progress. Um, their press is rather intense and high, and we spoke about their energy. Um, my question that I suppose can't be answered right now is how is that going to hold up over a whole season and will we see them tire with their tight squad and their intensive style um, come sort of mid, mid-season mid and then towards the end of the season and obviously over those busy uh, periods as well. That'll be interesting to me. But, yep, so far, Leeds look rather decent. Yeah, so, look, it will be interesting. Obviously, they'd have no European football to worry about, so if he can stretch the squad out for the whole season. There's more games in the championship, so they might be well up for it. But um, mm. obviously the pace is going to be much higher. But if they can keep that intense press going, they'll they're going to keep doing great things. So on to the next one. So you said this was going to be a snooze fest: Newcastle United versus Burnley. How wrong you were! How Alan wrong Saint, I was! Alan Saint Maximin turning it on. What a player! Yeah, 
he looked good, and he, but he come off. He, he was battling this um, this ankle, so um, I think he scored his goal, and he was um, he was injured, and then he set one up. Um, but yeah, I think he was obviously nursing. He just come back from that ankle injury, and he didn't play out this game and come off with a an um, ankle injury as well. So um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the same um, same ankle, uh, which is not good news for Newcastle fans. But they pushed past Burnley with a a 3-1 win and probably that's their only concern at this time. But at the moment, yeah, Brucey has got him flying, doesn't he? And um, Callum Wilson, he looks really good, really good form. Doesn't he? Him and, him and St. Maximan um, hooking up. So Maximan's dribbling is so good that he's actually breaking his own ankles. Like, did you see Did you see that first goal? Like His first goal, how, yeah. Yeah, how many times can a man cut? Like, until someone's like... He's going to cut again, <laughs> and then eventually he shot. I, I thought he was stunning. And the ball in for Callum Wilson's first goal was like, that is exactly what you want because St. Maximum just makes defenders panic because he's so fast. And, like, no one knows what he's going to do. I don't think he knows what he's going to do. He just goes yeah, he's just, fast. He's unpredictable. Yeah, yeah, he's unpredictable. And Brucey sort of plays him where he's just – you know, he can just cruise in terms of um, defensive duties. And then what they do is work on getting him isolated and then him just causing damage and just saying, look, go out players, drill pass and players, make something happen. And he does. Um, Newcastle did did rather well to, to get the points. Um, but, then, yeah, Dyche's team, um, they got their goal, but, man, they're going to struggle. That was, a, that was a bloody howler from Nick Pope, actually, that last goal from Newcastle too. Mm. Um, but, look, yeah, I think – Still no I, points for Burnley. No, and they don't look likely either. Newcastle's the game that you've got to pick points up. So that's three games, three losses, only above Sheffield United and Fulham. Um, and that's – like, that doesn't look good for them. So, Burnley, Sheffield United, and Fulham, all no points so far. So, Yeah. So, look, there's only two games left here. So um, we'll touch on Southampton and West Brom, and I want to finish on Arsenal, Sheffield United. Oh, sorry, and Wolves, Fulham. But um, Southampton, West Brom, pretty regulation fixture. Southampton got over the line. Um, like, there's not much to talk about in that one, is there? No, I don't think so. I think... Um, the I suppose the main thing to say here is that um, Southampton won this game, but it's a, a game a game that they've got to win if they don't want to be in that any type of scrap come the end of the year. So um, yeah, great news for for them. A clean sheet, um, got their two goals um, and pushed past West Brom. Um, so yeah, I think the clean sheet um, is obviously the highlight for them. But yeah, it's a team that they should beat. Well done. Is uh, Oriol Romeo's goal, is that going to be goal of the season? The volley from top of the box? Yeah, no, d- decent strike. I mean, goal of the season. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head what's, what are the goals. I think oh, Vardy does it. And Dombele goal against United. Uh, that yeah, was that was decent. Vardy's flick. Um, we got Madison's goal from last week. We got um, Mares's volley um, that yeah. same week. So, yeah, yeah it'll like- be tough. It reminded me of a Robin Van Persie goal a couple of years ago, actually, the way he sort of steamed in top of the box and just volleys. Um, but yeah, and look, Wayne, Wayne Rooney volley hit one a similar volley too, where it's dipped like that. Yeah, <laughs> was it hit a stunning free kick during the week? Actually, if you got a chance, it's on the Facebook page. Um, <laughs> <It's here. laughs> but look, so moving on quickly, so Wolves and Fulham. Um, Fulham stay last. Wolves one nil win. Um, everyone except for Fulham defence knows that Pedro Neto can hit a ball. Um, again, regulation. Wolves just look out of sorts a little bit for me. Not quite as ominous as they were. 
Yeah, I think this game says more about Wolves than it does Fulham. I think Fulham no goals and, and losing isn't a surprise to anyone, but I would have thought Wolves could have um, done some damage here in and got themselves back into form. But they, they do look a little bit patchy at the moment um, and just a little bit disjointed. So potentially the international break has come at a good time for them where they can sort of split up. Um, those that go on international duty go and do that. Those that don't sort of stay there and train and, and work on some things and, and get some rest in um, before they sort of reconvene and, and get back into it. So, yeah, I think the international break has come at a good time for Wolves. Uh, for Fulham, I mean, it doesn't really matter when the international break comes. Your team's going down. Yeah, no, they, they they do not look ready for it. Um, so, last one I want to touch on, um, awesome. and I want to touch on this because it's not that special. Arsenal 2 beat Sheffield United. Uh, well, Sheffield United won, but Arsenal won a game that they should have. Isn't that exciting for Arsenal fans? That's exciting for Arsenal fans, um, and I think that shows their evolution. I think this isn't a game or a performance to get excited about. What is to get excited about is if you went back when Emery was in charge or to the end of um, Wenger's reign, um, they used to drop points in these games. They used to you know, draw or, or just slip up completely and then lose it. So that's probably the biggest sign for Arsenal fans, um, especially in these dark times where Gunasaurus gets sacked off. So, yep. Yeah, no, but like um, Saka with a nice little goal, lovely build-up play, and then Nicola Pepe. That was a great goal, um, and that is what he is capable of. A couple of nervous moments towards the end, but again, if you're an Arsenal fan, you'll take that. Um, Pepe just does that thing where everyone knows what he's doing, but they, no one can do anything about it still. Yeah, yeah and Robin, I think they call that in the um, in the business. So that's it. Let's Let's talk about transfer chat and it has been a massive deadline day huge and so this is going to be the last um transfer chat i think unless there's some deals done um under the table or on the continent um yeah big where do you want to start i mean you got to start with um me and you solving all their defensive problems and bringing cavani don't you so i just just a caveat there so the domestic window is open for another week or week or two so you can still sign players. English clubs can sign players between themselves. But obviously oh, the, the premium. Are shut. I thought it was the other way around. Yeah. No, no. So the premium okay. has gone through the roof, I imagine, for an English player. So if you want to sign Jack Grealish right now, you're getting for about $800 million. Um, No, look, so we've got to, we do have to start with Manchester United. So look, 6-1. The problems were there for all to see. The defence was, like, was bad. So they picked up a very expensive free agent um, striker. So Edison Cavani, closer to 34 than he is 33. What do you think of this one? Uh, well, it just screams we don't really know what we're doing, but there's someone <laughs> decent on the market. Yeah, we'll grab him to me. Not the best. Not the, like, I appreciate he he's not going to start. He's not going to get in front of Martial, although Martial just slaps someone and we'll have a little holiday, so he might. But he will start before um, Agallo. So I think it improves their squad. Um, it just he's going to cost you a bunch of wages because you didn't pay a transfer fee for him, so he can command um, more wages. He's got running that Zlatan Ibrahimovic model, um, but he hasn't played football for seven months. He has had a range of months, soft tissue injuries, hamstring, quad, and calf over those um, over those last couple of years at PSG. So yeah, United fans. I don't. It's not it'd be nice to see him in a Manchester United shirt. It'd be nice to see him in the Prem. But I don't think that's going to solve any problems. And I hope he enjoys Carabao because that's where he'll be playing. I'm gonna I'm gonna go against you there, and I'm gonna say 18th of October. He's gonna fill his boots against Newcastle, and he will start. 
Um, what you but, will get, Martial Martial will miss games though, so that's that's not a, that's not a brave prediction at all. But um, the one thing you will get with Edison Cavani is 100% effort. And I hear what you're saying. He's been off for seven months, so he's fresh. Um, but he, like, you'll get 100% effort. Like, and I know it's not like there's no strategy. You've signed a 34 year old um, as a panic, but honestly. It could be much worse because he he's a consummate professional. Like he is an absolute one hundred percent. Will give everything regardless. Like he would never throw his toys out of the pram like he saw on the weekend. Um, granted, it's a panic signing, but it's a fresh perspective. It's an experienced professional. He can score goal. Like his his finishing's been criticised, but he does have like a goal every other game. Which before Ronaldo and Messi um, in my generation was actually a really good record for a striker. Um, yeah. So look. It is a panic signing. The wages are high, but like you are bringing in someone who, like, will if we ever get fans back in the stadium, he'll endear himself to the fans with his effort. Yep. Does he look like a ghost? Yes or no? I thought he was a ghost. Um, <laughs> the ghost at the post. Um, no, he does. He looks quite scary, doesn't he? He looks. It looks like he uh, is quite hungry. Like he's got that very. Um, like you can see a lot of his skull, more than you should have, but. Get him in there. Get a shirt on. But he's going to wear seven. Um, who needs Sancho? So next one, we've got Alex Tellers. So um, Manchester United again identified that there were defensive problems with left back being probably not the biggest one in there. But they've gone out and got themselves a left back. What do you think? Uh, well, what what they pay for him is... Or is it's about on... 15 mil plus add-ons. Yeah. So... I'm not, I'm not sure he's going to displace um, Luke Shaw. Obviously, Luke Shaw um, didn't have the best of games most recently or or previously. But, yeah, I think they've got bigger problems. So, again, this is, this is a good signing. will improve their squad. I'm not sure he'll start every game similar to Cavani. Um, and, yeah, it just seems, again, seems like United got to the sort of last day on the continent and, and brought someone in. What do you think? Yeah, weird, unusual, and not the biggest priority. So um, he's 27, so they're not signing someone who's young. Like, I think he might – I don't know if he's younger than Luke Shaw, but um, no, I think he's older than Luke Shaw. So I don't really understand it, but I suppose he's coming in as a developed first-team footballer. I imagine they want him to come straight in or at least give competition to Shaw, but it seems like a bit of a weird one. Um, not Like, not young, not in the future. Yeah. Luke but, Shaw's 25 so he's older than Luke yeah, Shaw yeah he's now. older than Luke Shaw so I just don't understand this again not the biggest problem like Luke Shaw's injury record's not great so I can understand that but if they wanted to go with the young let's develop Brandon Williams mantra then they've just stuck someone in his place so it's weird but Manchester United apparently don't have a strategy it looks like he was probably just available um, and they picked him up so get him in see what he can bring uh, but I'm not overly excited about this one so one of the, the deals I am excited about is um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek has joined Fulham on loan till the end of the season. What did you make of this one? Yeah, well, I think this is a good move for um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, he's going to get some game time, which would be good because, as we know, that um, front third of sort of, you know, no, sorry, 10s and 8s and 7s and stuff at um, Chelsea just been absolutely flooded with, with players. So I think... You're seeing him move out and Ross move out, which is a good thing. Um, 
so get some game time in them. But yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good for Fulham, and I think it's good for Ruben Loftus Cheek to get some game time. I, I said to you off air that I was a bit confused about like what do Chelsea and Bayern see in Callum Hudson Adoy that you don't see in Ross Barkley or um, Ruben Loftus Cheek. To me, they're all very, very similar players. But for some reason, Chelsea are like, hey, we don't need these players. Get rid of them. Go out on loan. But no, we do need um, Hudson Adoy. And what do Bayern see in him that um, that they want him in as well? It just they, they all seem very similar players, but they're all on very different paths to me. But there yeah. you go. What do you think? Yeah, look, I, I haven't got time to delve into that now, but I think I, I take your point. I'm not sold on Hudson Adoy yet. But um, Loftus Cheek need to get football. He's at that age. Ross had to go out there um, and again get football. But look, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Loftus Cheek. See if he develops and they take him back, or if yeah. they just fatten him up to sell. Well, yeah, well, Loftus Cheek's at that age where I think we spoke about this last week, where he needs to move away from being a prospect and sort of realizing his talent. And now, like he's, he's past that age where we we probably need to see some results from him. So, so speaking of talented young wingers who never quite got there, so Theo Walcott has gone back to Southampton. What do you make of this one? Did it bring a tear to your eye to see him yeah. come home? No, no, it didn't one bit. But um, he signed for them as an apprentice in 2000 um, and then went on a, a bit of a journey, did well at Arsenal, and then, yeah, he's come full, sort of full circle back to um, to Southampton. So, yeah, I think it's it's good. I think if you're Southampton, you hopefully they signed him on a pay-and-play deal because you're not going to get a lot of game time out of him um, injury-prone. But if you're getting fit and firing, um, I think you can do some damage and, and sort of take the burden off um, Danny Ings to score all those goals. I think he might help him out a bit. What do you think? Good signing? Uh, no, it's nice to see someone go back to where it all began, as I said, as the apprentice. So I like this move. I hope it works out for Theo Walcott. He never quite hit the, the heights he he was supposed to, I suppose, as the young English player going into the World Cup. Or was he 17? I think he was. He was taking the squad yeah. plus Fenegans. Um Look, never quite worked out for him, but I hope this I hope this does work out for him. Great move for all. So the next one, next flair winger. So Leeds have got Rafinha from Wren. So he's a fast, exciting Brazilian. Um, previously played with Sporting Lisbon, and again, I I remember Rafinha from his days at Sporting Lisbon. And um, when I saw they signed him, I was like, oh, I think that's a good signing. And then I was like, is it the same player I'm thinking of? I hadn't realised he'd gone to Wren. But I went to his Wikipedia page to check if it was the same player I was thinking of, and a Leeds fan had already changed the page to Rafinha is best known for being co-owner and chief cod catcher of Gravelly's Fish and Chip Shop on Ellen Road. Uh, <laughs> I don't that's know good. if that's still up, but that was so. And then in the announcement for his signing, they had a plate of fish and chips sitting on the table for his first com- press conference too. So it's a good signing for Leeds again. Uh, Bill's oh, done his homework. Oh. They um so Ren actually um, broke their transfer record when they signed him in two thousand and nineteen. So um, that's something interesting for you. And also in four full seasons playing professionally, um, any team that he's played for has never finished below fifth. So our leads on the march for some European football. We'll wait and see. Yeah, so look, a couple of ones I want to touch on quickly. So PSG, I think, won deadline day. So they picked up uh, Danny Carvalho and Moise Keane on loan. So good day for them. And then I think the signing of the window, and again, Arsenal fans, Arteta just functionally getting it done. Um, Thomas Partey has gone to Arsenal. What did you make of this one? Not the signing you want. It's the signing you need, Arsenal fans. How about that? 
that yeah, is so how you sum this up, isn't it? That's he, how you sum this up. Oh, he's just – I think he's just perfect. Like, he's the player that Arsenal have been, like, wanting for five years. Like Functionality is how you describe him, right? Yeah. yeah, just functional midfielder who does, like, any job asked of him. And, like, he's an, he's a Simeone prodigy, so he'd probably go out there and take a bullet if you asked him to. I just think it's such a, it's such a good signing. Like, I just cannot – express how delighted I am for Arsenal fans and how angry I am as a Manchester United fan. Um, like a player who just does the job week in, week out, very little fanfare. And he like he's going to be so good for them the way that he covers for other players. And like you can you can start letting the Sackers and the Aubameyangs and Pepe's express themselves. Like what a signing, honestly. So who, so who comes out of that team um, to make way or make room for him in starting eleven? Well, Gwendozi's off to Hertha Berlin on loan too, so it's, he's gone, thank God. Um, I, I don't know. I suppose Torreira went the other way to Atletico. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I suppose you got to balance it out there, Shaka, maybe? Yeah, I, I was thinking Shaka, yeah, even though he's done reasonably well recently. Pate is better than Shaka. Like, yeah. like you're bringing in someone who's like been to Champions League finals and like, Kick the crap out of Real Madrid players for years. Like he's honestly, he's such a good signing. Um, so Arsenal fans for the Premier League, I think you won deadline day. But we must crack on. Let's go to the mailbag. Oh, let's do it. You've got mail. You've got mail. What do we uh, got? So we've got a wise crack from. Um, I think he's a Spurs fan now. I think he's he's one of those boys. He's jumped from. He was early two thousands again with you. Chelsea went over to City. I think he was a Liverpool fan for a bit. And now he's at Spurs. So he said, "Hey lads, I'm a bit stuck and I need some help. I can't figure out who the bigger Northern embarrassment is over the past weekend of football action. On one hand, it could be very well that smaller side from Manchester who had six of the best put past them by a Spurs side, which featured Sun Hyung Min on one hamstring. He." Put two past a shambolic defence that honestly could have scored six own goals. However, this wasn't much of a shock after watching the Northern Minnows play recently. <laughs> On the oh, other, no. it could be bad boy Barkley and his villains putting Liverpool to the sword with a 7-2 thrashing. Villa's training for the week must involve brick walls and compasses to try and figure out the best deflection angles after they completely wrong-footed Adrian three times. Good to see there is still justice in football. Kind regards, Tim Sherwood, Chief Match Reporter for FPOP and greatest pundit on of the sport. That's libelous, that last part. That does not reflect the views of the pod. Um, which, who do you think was more embarrassing, United or Liverpool? Oh, I think United just because it's compounded on the back of um, some other bad performances and I'm sure you're going to say Liverpool, so I will answer that one for you. 100%, right, no, 100% United. Absolutely yeah. disgraceful. And there's not an aberration. There's, again, the shit has hit the fan at that club and um, they need to sort it out and they don't have the people there to do it. So thanks for the email, <laughs> Sam. Um, we enjoyed hearing from you and um, I enjoy it while it lasts because come the end of the season, Spurs trophy cabinet will still be empty. That's all for the mailbag. All right, so we are on to Colo's multi. So we might start with um, Newcastle to beat Burnley, tick. Everton to beat Brighton, tick. Uh, So now we are on to Green Bay Packers, 14 plus, tick. He got it bang on, 14 points exactly. Wow, we're fine. Yeah, we're fine. The last leg here, we need Leicester to beat West Ham and they got battered. 
absolutely battered, no shots on target. So that pays nothing again. <laughs> so well, I, said, I said to the big fella that, hey, mate, I need something. Give us something. Um, you got to show us or you're going to get the chop. Um, and he delivered. He got he picked four legs and he got three of them in. So I think he can hold on for another week. Um, but those auditioning for um, your segment of the multi, yeah, feel free to start firing some stuff in. He's a bit like Ollie at the moment where he's um, just treading on, on thin ice. Um, so that is it for Colo's multi. Stay tuned for International Week. He gets up and about for International Week. Um, Job, how can everyone get in contact with us? So um, if you want to email us, footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com, Facebook, footballplayedonpaper, Insta, at footballplayedonpaper, Twitter, at footballonpods. Uh, make sure you go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review, please. Because um, the way Colo's multi's going, I'm going to have to get myself a nimble. Um, <laughs> please, please, please help out where you can. Uh, that's all from me. Uh, we had to afterpay the software this week, so there you go. Um, we are well over time, but um, what a big week it's been in football. Enjoy the international break. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Bye bye.